Hello and welcome to CapTech Trends, a place where we meet with thought leaders and subject matter experts to discuss emerging technology, design, and methodology. I'm your host, Vinny Schoenfelder, Principal and CTO at CapTech Consulting. Uh, today we're taking a look at our most recent consumer research survey, diving into some to the specifics. Joining me again from our Charlotte office is Bree Basham, a principal at CapTech, leading our customer experience practice. Bree, welcome back. Thanks, Vinny. Great to be here. Great. So we're going to spend a little time, and we'll have a link that, so that people can go take a look at this survey. It's our second survey, and we plan on keep these going, you know, every year. But Bree, why don't you give us a little bit of history about this survey, why we started it, maybe what we found out last year. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, we we did the survey for the first time, and we really did it trying to dive into the pandemic and to understand how consumer expectations had changed as a result of that. Specifically, we wanted to measure things like why people make certain decisions around purchasing and what may enable consumers to choose one brand over another. And we had a lot of success with the survey and decided to come back this year and really look at how consumers' perceptions, as well as things like their technology usage and their purchasing behaviors have evolved in 2021 and how that data compares to the 2020 data that we pulled. Great. So what were some of the big findings or big takeaways from last year? Yeah, from last year, we we focused a lot around innovation as we did this year um, is a theme that resulted. And last year, we learned really that innovation was something that companies were placing priorities around and that consumers were responding to. So that innovation was really meeting the changing times. This year, we're seeing a continuation of that. And we're seeing that become even more important than it was When you think back to 2020, also think about where we were last year, right? There was real limits on availability. We all remember the toilet paper issues that were so prevalent at the time. And the spending was really around essentials last year. There was a lot of uncertainty. And this year, that uncertainty is still there and people are being cautious, but spending is back and people are looking at how they can prepare for the future there. One of the things I remember about last year, too, was that the perception of brand changed. Yes. Uh, And some of the factors that people consider when identifying with a brand were very different than the previous year. Has that continued to be the case coming into this year's survey? Yeah, we, we sort of coined it last year as brand loyalty is changing, it's shifting, right? It might even be dead to a certain degree, at least for the time. And availability and convenience were really the things that took precedence over that. This year, we're hearing that price is still very important, that availability is still very important, but people are looking to brands to provide certain things. They want to be able to trust a brand. They're looking for brands that give back or support the local community that take care of their employees. And we're also really hearing that accessibility and inclusive design is very important for people that are making decisions right now. And they want to feel that that's coming from the brands that they're they're prioritizing or they're giving preference to. Yeah, I, I find that interesting because I think that's been a growing trend. And last year, I think it was employee health and safety around COVID, even though that was indirect to the consumer. They valued that from a from a corporate identity standpoint. And maybe that's relaxed a little bit because people are more used to this environment, but it shifted to that accessibility and inclusion aspect of how companies present themselves digitally as well as analog. Is that 
correct? Yeah, that that is. We're hearing that these things are ranking very highly in influencing a purchasing decision. So in fact, more than 40% of the people we surveyed have tried a new brand based on their inclusivity of all people, including those with disabilities. So that's a huge number, especially for a trend that we didn't dig into too much last year. To see a number come in that strong uh, was very welcomed, I'll say, from our end, because as you just mentioned previously, this is something we've been watching for a long time. It's something we're prioritizing within our own organization, and we're seeing many of our clients head in that direction as well. What's interesting to me to to hear that is 15, 20 years ago, I was doing website design that included accessibility as as part of the the fundamental architecture. And, you know, I would quote things like 8 to 10% of a workforce is visually impaired, so you need to accommodate that. And broader than that, 8 to 10%, uh, maybe a little bit more of the community is visually impaired. If you reach out to them, that obviously increases loyalty. But what we're seeing is the reaction to that type of design when promoted correctly also impacts people who don't have those disabilities. Right, So it's not just the immediate obvious impact. It's much broader than that because people are respecting the efforts going into it. It is. It's very broad and it's really anyone with any kind of impairment right, will be able to come to a website and experience it the same way as someone with zero impairments. So that covers many different types of different people and different disabilities that they're facing. Where that kind of makes me think that it's even more challenging today is looking at some of the results of this survey on innovation and channels. We've really moved from omni-channel, which is still a thing, right? You know, consistency of experiences and persistence of experience across devices to a a more micro-channel approach where some of these interactions are happening on smaller and smaller, more specific devices, whether it be a watch or voice or chatbot or something like that. So it, it seems like the CX angle of that, of creating a coherent and consistent journey across those things has to be more difficult when you're using more channels. That's right. Yeah, this is something you and I have been talking about a lot lately, and we're using the term microchannel to describe all the new ways that have become so crucial for interaction during and post-pandemic. And I think we've discussed the fact that COVID forced people to catch up with digital adoption that weren't there. And previously, you know, I believe Omnichannel referred to sort of a basic combination of things, you know, your in-store, your website, your app, and some limited interaction between these channels was where a lot of people were focusing. But as you mentioned, now the need for things like digital wallets, QR codes, touchless transactions, etc., even things like selling on social or through a third party or think about BOPIS and curbside pickup, all of those things have taken omnichannel in a new direction. I'm thinking too, as and we've talked about this a bit, as the interface get smaller, right? Moving from a traditional monitor to a laptop screen, to a tablet, to a phone, to a watch, to just voice without any screen. To me, it seems like the need for good design increases because it's more difficult to tailor, especially when you think about accessibility, those experiences on smaller and smaller and smaller devices that give you less options. Can you speak on that for a bit? Yeah, I think one of the things I keep thinking about with the smaller devices too is the importance of search as a starter for some of those omni-channel experiences. You think about how many of those experiences between a customer and a brand or company start by them searching for something. So you think about the importance of enabling search that works just as well on mobile as it does on desktop. One example, I think, that aligns with with where you were headed. Yeah, and I'm thinking about all the things that have to happen between all of these micro-channels. Uh, design is one. I'm thinking 
strategy is affected by that, the individual groups within your organization, probably more focus on customer research. Right. You know, how do you go about when people listen to this and they say, oh, yeah, devices are getting smaller and more specialized in their use cases. What project methodologies, what behaviors have to change internally to address uh, designing and delivering for that. Yeah, absolutely. So the digital strategy, as you mentioned, becomes so much more important because that's what's really going to address how all of those channels are interacting with each other, the business's main channels and those micro channels. And then we look at what customer research can drive for brands. So that's critical to understand those actions and intentions and the attributes that influence those habits across those micro channels. We do a lot of journey mapping with our customers. So that's the measurement across channels of how customers are experiencing a brand or a company and where those high points of interaction are, what things are going well, but also where the opportunities are. So that research leads directly to understanding a customer's pathway and where those points of improvement can be. And then, you know, you mentioned the design across the channels. We've talked about how important that is to be accessible for everyone. We also think about the consistency standpoint, right? It has to be consistent over, imagine being in a store and using a kiosk to going to your desktop to then going to your phone. You know, how does that brand know where you've been and how can you pick up on the same experience at any given point in time and have it be consistent in each of those different interaction spaces uh, as well as within the micro channels. I was looking at the um, report again this morning and something that caught my eye was the digital savviness part of it. Whereas I think last year in the year before that coming into the pandemic, there were certain laggards in terms of uh, people adopting technologies, whether that be home delivery or touchless or uh, telemed, even Netflix, you know, people resisting some of those changes. And the pandemic made people try those things, uh, you know, strong encouragement. But it seems like the digital savviness of our population has increased as a result. Uh, Does the survey support that in terms of people sticking with these new approaches, even though the world's opening back up? Yeah, because I think people are seeing the benefits of those, right? One of the things we saw that came out pretty strongly was that there was a recognition of convenience that came from the digital usage. So think about how many people have shifted to online grocery shopping. Uh, Again, the curbside pickup at the integration with an app, all the delivery services that are now in play. And using those technologies is something that we've seen a lot more adoption of within our older demographics. We had seen it for some time with younger demographics, but are now seeing that within the 27 to 50 age group as well as being really prevalent because people are more likely to do continued usage of these different types of of activities when they see the benefit of convenience there. Yeah, I think that's mirrored on internally as well. Very early on, we had a podcast where I was mentioning that the companies that were performing well early in the pandemic, especially with remote development, were ones that had modern methodologies and modern architectures. They were in place to support that. The pandemic was clearly a catalyst to people who were behind on that to, to get their methodologies and architectures up to, up to speed. And I think we're going to see increased velocity in innovation as a result. On the other side, and I think you've seen this as well, a lot of companies now that they're having those methodologies and architectures in place, they're struggling a bit operationally, like with the relationship between business and IT and just having a good muscle memory in terms of how to do rapid, iterative development of, of meaningful functionality. And I don't know if that ties back to the strategy stuff we were talking about before in terms of getting those shared priorities correct first, or if it's a 
execution issue because it's a, a new way of working. Just curious your thought on your thoughts on that more internal side of of delivering on this functionality. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen a lot in the area of innovation this year. We've seen a lot of companies start to prioritize that more than they have in prior years. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me of discussions with our clients over the past years, we're now seeing innovation as a track within organizations, just like the BAU work is. And it's looked at in terms of understanding it needs to be separate. There needs to be space for it if we're going to you know, create the space for people to be able to focus on it. And BAU, for some of you who may not know, is business as usual. Yes, business as usual. Thank you. I think one of the things you touched on that many companies can still get better at is that rapid prototyping to test, to learn, to iterate on that and really optimize, which is something that really ties directly back to all these micro channels we've been talking about today. That rapid prototyping, even with something like chat, to get in there and do a pilot quickly, define what is MVP and learn from that and optimize as you go is often the way to figure out if those ideas are going to be lasting ones. And and to measure how your customer base is really reacting to those things. Yeah, those can be difficult to fund because it's not a very obvious business initiative, right? It's more of a R&D kind of thing, and some companies already have sort of R&D, you know, small 20-person groups doing that. One of the things I recommend usually is when looking at changing either the methodology, the architecture of these projects, is not to do it all at once across the organization where you're you know, forcing people to make a change, but instead identify a couple, you know, two to three high visibility, high impact things that you can do in a three to six month window and do them right top to bottom. Even if you have to do it outside of normal processes within your organization to demonstrate how successful and how quickly you can move when you don't have that legacy methodology and technical debt holding you back. And then once everyone sees that and gets an appetite for it, then everyone starts clamoring for it. So it's easier to go that way and and pull people along by showing them the benefits as opposed to pushing them after some new standard that they may not even believe in because it's the third or fourth time you've tried to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that reminds me of several of the innovation projects we've done in the mobile space where we've done it outside the company's native app to get results more quickly right? And not have to take that integration time, be able to put something out there and test it, not knowing if every concept is necessarily going to be a winner. Gotcha. The last one I wanted to touch on was personalization. I know that made our our list this year. I think it did. I don't know if it did last year or not, but if not, it certainly came through. You're nodding, so I assume it did. It did. Yeah. So is personalization changing? Uh, Is it staying the same? Is it now just an expected fundamental? Well, we're seeing again that people are getting more used to the benefits they get from some of these types of modern technologies. And people have learned now that if they are able to share some data and they give a little bit, they're going to get something in return for that. So consumers are willing to exchange data for a more personalized experience because they see that as a benefit. That then becomes more convenient to them. They get some efficiency out of it. It's more targeted. It's more direct with product recommendations and location-based content, for example. So to me, it ties back to the same thing we're seeing earlier where there's confidence growing in a lot of these technologies and that is causing additional adoption from consumers. There's some nuance here because you know, we've talked before about how people will share information if they believe it'll benefit them. But if they believe it's just helping the other company, all of a sudden there's a lot of privacy concerns and doubt and it hurts the brand, right? So right. to the extent, and this is all perception, so to the extent that you do recommendations and personalization well versus doing it not well, 
plays to your own credibility and authenticity. And people will think you're less secure, you're not handling the data in a more private manner. They, they'll have all these negative views of your brand that are unfounded from a technology standpoint. They're just perceptions based on that interaction and that usability. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing we've learned is that consumers do have a threshold for how long they're willing to give something their attention, right? And they need it to ultimately benefit them in some way. So whether that's a perk additional information, you know, early information, et cetera. They're looking for something in exchange. And we talked about optimizing experiences a little bit before. I think that's one of the risks in where we are now with so much new innovation going out in a widespread manner. There is that willingness from consumers to adopt and to try things. But if we don't continue to encourage the optimization of these experiences and making them worthwhile and valuable from consumers and getting that actual data by testing and doing that research with consumers, there will be a shelf life on how long consumers are willing to put up with an experience that is less than seamless or that they feel isn't delivering for them. Gotcha. So to wrap up... Um Let's direct people to where they can find this survey, Bray. Where can they find it? So uh, we have published a number of materials on our website, captechconsulting.com, and you can search in our insights section. We have a survey report that's a condensed four or five page document that you can read through, see all the themes, et cetera. We also have an infographic that's published there that you can do some quick comparison of the 2020 data to the 2021 data. And we are available to share the results in more detail from anyone who's interested in learning more about what's driving consumer innovation and purchasing decisions. Great. Well, Bree, thanks again for being on the podcast. Always a pleasure speaking with you. And for those listening, uh, if you're enjoying these, please subscribe and uh, please refer uh, these to your friends and colleagues. Thank you. Thanks, Benny. The entire contents and design of this podcast are the property of CapTech or used by CapTech with permission and are protected under U.S. and international copyright and trademark laws. Users of this podcast may save and use information contained in it only for personal or other non-commercial educational purposes. No other use of this podcast may be made without CapTech's prior written permission. CapTech makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in it are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in it is done at your own risk. CapTech makes no warranty that this podcast or the server that makes it available is free of viruses, worms, or other elements or codes that manifest contaminating or destructive properties. CapTech expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, or any other damages arising out of any use of or reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in it.